0: Well good morning. How does anybody follow a song like that? I mean that's I'm ready to like go home and, and just I've had Easter that was amazing. Thank you to our team. I really appreciate. Don't you appreciate our team? Amazing. If I can't preach an inspired talk after that song, I've got some serious issues. Do you agree? <laughs> okay, so I'm—I think I'm fired up. Like I'm brimming over right now. So hey, real quick before I get going, if you are a guest with us here today, my name is Danny. Welcome to Emmanuel. We love to have great experiences where we hope you connect with God, and so our hope is that that happens for you today. If you are a regular tender, hey, what's up? How are you? Yeah, this is 11.15. Like This is it right here. All Leaving it all on the court for you right now. I've got a great talk for you, I think. So it's gone well, 9.15. It went well last night at 5.30. So we'll see how it goes right now. So we're in a series right now called The Gospel. And what we said is that The Gospel means good news. And I don't think there's anyone in the crowd here that doesn't really love good news. Am I right? I mean, you, you, you get the, the, the test back for, from cancer and it turns out to be negative. You know I mean, it's like, yes, it's, I mean, I had a friend that just went through that and they were rejoicing over that, you know, or, or, or you put in an offer on a house of your dreams and, and it gets accepted, you know, and it's just like, yes, or, or maybe, maybe it's something like this. This has happened to me before. You tell me if this, this hasn't happened to you. Or you're, you're sleeping at night and you have this dream that, that just feels so real. You've robbed a bank or something worse and you've gotten caught and you feel like it's real. Maybe you haven't been there. I've been there, I don't know, lots of times. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, it was all a dream. <laughs> and, you, and you get to go free and you're not in trouble. That's good news. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe I'm you know, your day can't go down from there, right? So so I remember a couple years ago, we, we were trying to launch a second site. We're a multi-site church. We've got a location here in Greenwood. We also have a location at the corner of Banta and Harding, uh, which is amazing to me. I'm still like shocked by that every time I pull up to that campus and see there's a whole church there. But a couple years ago, when we decided to go multi-site. We were looking at different properties, and we found a piece of property that wasn't for sale, but it was owned by a family here in the church and. And so we started talking to them about, hey, would you ever think about selling us this fifteen acres? And and so they said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, or we'll at least start that process. And so they ended up selling us the property for a really good deal. And then after we they sold us the property, we had no idea this was going to happen. This is this is again two, about a couple of years ago to get Banta launched. Um, they turned around and wrote us the church a check for a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. I remember they hand-delivered it to me at the church here, and I opened it up and I held it. And I thought this is the biggest check I've ever held in my life, and it, and it was just right there, one two five zero, zero 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 point zero zero. I was like, this is crazy, you know. And it was this awesome news that we got. I was like on cloud nine for weeks. I mean, that's what good news does to you, doesn't it? It lifts your spirit. It brings a smile. To your face, it lightens your step, it brings joy to your heart. And what we said in this series is that the gospel, it's the, what it really means is that it's good news. Primarily, the gospel is good news in this sense that God the Father has sent Jesus Christ to this world to die on a cross. To pay for our sins so that you would not have to pay for your sins. So that you could experience forgiveness and grace and love and and mercy and eternal life. Reconciliation with God. And and primarily what that means is that you will get to go to heaven when you die. Like you will not pay for your own sins. Now here's here's what I've heard. I've heard that there's a a 100% chance that you're going to die. Like that's what I've heard. You know? Like, uh, like, no one escapes death, right? So the average person lives to about 75, okay? Now if you're lucky, you go to 85, and if, if you're cursed, you go to 95. I mean, isn't that how it works? It's like, who wants to be alive when they're 95, right? It's just crazy. Some of us go at 45, some of us go at 55, but on average, a human goes to 75. And then they enter something called eternity. Now, that's a really long time. In fact, most of you, all of you, will spend most of your life in eternity. I know that's hard to believe because we think that this is the only life we have, but you are an eternal being, C.S. Lewis said it this way, he said you're a spiritual being having a physical experience, one day that physical experience is going to be gone and you're going to enter into eternity, either with God or without God, the good news says that you can spend most of your life with God in eternity, is anybody excited about that, does that give you, does that, does that, absolutely, some of you are not excited about that, you're sitting there like this, like come on preacher, and say something exciting, I just gave you some of the greatest news in the universe. Okay, But even though that is awesome news and that is good news that you can spend the rest of your life with God in eternity, what we've been trying to do is answer the question, does the good news give us any or does the gospel give us any good news for this life? We know that it's awesome, it gives us good news for heaven when we die, but what about right now? What about now, as we're raising our children and we're working our jobs and we're dealing with stress and we've got a, uh, aging parents or we've got a sick child or, or we've got bills that we can't pay and or the marriage is struggling or the teenager that's wayward? Like, does the gospel help us now in this side of heaven? And what we said in this series is absolutely it does. Week number one, we said the gospel answers the questions of our value. That it, it the gospel defines us as one that is radically loved by God, and therefore we don't have to create this false self you missed that talk, man, go back to the podcast and watch it. T- I promise you it'll be a blessing. Then we talked about how the gospel right now delivers us from fear and worry. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat. And when Jesus is in the boat, the one who commands the winds and the waves and says, peace be still, if he can do that, what should we fear? And the answer is nothing, right? So we talked about how the gospel like, just totally annihilates fear and worry. And then last week, Steve brilliantly talked about how when we blow it, When we sin, instead of of going down the path of condemnation that Judas went down that led to him committing suicide, we can go down the path of conviction that Peter went down. And basically what that means is the gospel says you can turn, after you've blown it, back into the loving arms of the Father for grace and forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? Can we give God just some glory for the good news? I mean, it is just awesome. And so... So, here's what I want to do today, right? He's so excited about this. I want to talk a little bit more about how the gospel not only saves us, it doesn't just bring us to heaven when we die, but it also solves us. It also answers the issues and the concerns of the human soul on this side of heaven. Let's get into it really quick. So, Jackie and I, a couple weeks ago, we went, we went to Orlando, it was last week, and uh, we had spring break, and Steve spoke for me, and, and that was awesome, and we got a little bit of a break, and... Um, it wasn't a vacation, it was a trip. It, and those of you who have kids, you know the difference. <laughs> vacation is when me and Jackie go away alone. <laughs> when we bring the kids, it's a trip. Um, it was a good trip. We went down to Orlando. We went to Universal Studios for three days. My wife was real excited about that. She set it all up. I even snapped a picture of it in front of the, in front of the big globe thing there. Isn't that awesome? And of course, my, my middle child always has to make a face. <laughs> he gets that from, from his, for his mom. Of course, my, dude, my daughter's got her pink monster, which is exciting. Anyway, uh, we had a great time, and it was just awesome, and, and it was nice weather and all that great stuff. And then on the way home, our, uh, our 14-hour drive turned into a 17-hour drive. You ever been there? How's that work? I think it's Satan. I think it really is. Uh, I, I think, I think he, he dwells over the city of Atlanta. I really do. I think what he does, <laughs> said, if you're from Atlanta, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about grid lock. I'm talking about no holes in the fence. I'm talking about nowhere to go. Like, like, like it's just, just, just there, and you're in the car forever, okay? Wow. So anyway got all this time in the car, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, I'm coming back, and the next talk I give is the Easter talk, like the biggest talk of the year, and so my mind is going and thinking, I'm thinking about how I'm going to say it, and how I'm going to articulate it, and what points I'm going to make, and I'm just, I'm just getting, you know, preachers get in this mindset, you know, we get in this, we, we, we put talks together, and we, we just get in a zone, and, and so I'm, I'm there, and I'm, I've got lots of time to do all this stuff, so I'm there, and I'm thinking about all these things, and all of a sudden, I see a billboard that says, Easter is back, and there is this, there there was this big chocolate bunny there and I'm like I, I'm like I noticed it because my mind was on it my mind was focused on it and I just thought to myself I had this I had this moment that if you're if you've ever been a preacher or you or know preachers you know sometimes they get this way they get this righteous anger right it's like it's like I, I looked at this thing I thought no Easter's not about chocolate bunnies <laughs> like how dare you try to leverage Easter to sell chocolate you know And I'm sitting there in the car and I'm starting to think about how Easter's not about chocolate, it's not about bunnies, it's not about Easter eggs or Easter egg hunts or Easter baskets or Easter bunnies or anything like that or or the ham after church or whatever. It's not about all of that stuff. And and some of you can relate to angry preachers because you grew up with one and that's why you don't go to church anymore. Because they're always, like, yelling at you and telling you to stop having sex, stop doing this, and stop doing drugs, and stop drinking alcohol, stop your cigarettes, and they're all mad at you. Like, and so, but I had this angry preacher moment in the car, you know what I mean? The veins are popping in out of the neck, and like, oh, but I had lots of time in the car, did I mention that? <laughs> to chill out. So I got through that, and I was like, ah, oh, it's fine, whatever, Russell Stover's can advertise their chocolates for you, whatever, it's okay and then I, but i but then i went back to the fact that what is easter really about like what am i going to talk about and and it just it just god just said you know you talk about my son rising from the dead like easter is a celebration of this amazing miraculous moment where the son of god came back to life And it's my privilege, it's my my honor, it's my opportunity to speak about the greatest truth in the universe. See, I believe all that we have and all that we hope to be or all that we hope to have is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's look into 1 Corinthians. This is a book written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the Corinthian church, the believers in Corinth. He's going to talk to them about what the gospel is. Listen to this. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, he says, the gospel that I preach to you, the gospel is something that needs to be articulated and preached, it needs to also be lived. But I, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received. Very important, the gospel is something that you must personally receive into your life by faith, okay? And he says, this is also something in which you stand, in which you live in and dwell in that affects your life. Now he's gonna articulate what the gospel is, watch this. For I deliver to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ, say with me, died for our sins. You can do better than that. Ready? Died for our sins. That's, that's a very crucial part of the gospel in accordance with the scriptures. He continues, watch this, that he was buried and that he was, say it with me, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He gives them a snapshot of what the good news is, of what the gospel is. Let me say this. Jesus did not die for the sins of humanity in general. Not in some vague sense, but he died for your personal sins, your deceit, your lies, your envy, your jealousy, your gluttony, your sloth, your lust, your personal sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for. The gospel is designed to hit individual people. Yes, it hits humanity in general, but it's laser focused on you. Christ died for you. On the cross, and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. I love, I love the story of how Luke tells uh, Easter morning, how he articulates it. He says, in Luke chapter 24, it says that that the two ladies went to the tomb and they were there to check on the body. and, and, And when they get there, the stone is rolled away and they go inside the tomb and there's no Jesus. His body's not there. And all of a sudden, two majestic angels show up and they say to the ladies, they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then they say this amazing statement in Luke 24, verse six. Listen to this, he isn't here, exclamation point. He is say it with me, risen from the dead. In fact, all of us. Let's say this together, because this is one. This is one of the most ex- amazing statements in the Bible he isn't here he's risen from the dead look at somebody next to you and say he isn't here he's risen from the dead come on let's have some fun he isn't here he's risen from the dead like this is it like this is the most important piece of the gospel he's not here the tomb is empty he's not dead he's risen from the dead is anybody excited about that like that's that's it that's the critical piece He's he's not here. He's risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. I love the way the apostle Peter describes the gospel. Listen to what he says in in 1 Peter chapter 3. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring them safely home to God. That's the gospel. The gospel is this reconciliation with man and God. Listen, Listen to what he says. He suffered physical death, but he was what? Raised to life. That is absolutely essential to the gospel. He was raised to life on the third day. He is risen. He's not here. Now, why is Paul saying this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15? Why is he saying, I want to remind you of the gospel? Why is he reminding them? Here's why. There was a group of Corinthian believers there that were saying there's no such thing as a resurrection. Like dead people don't come back to life. And they were making this argument, and Paul simply, simply says, hey, time out. That's not true. Christ rose from the dead. In fact, the, the, the fact that Jesus rose, rose from the dead is evidence that there is such a thing as the resurrection. And then Paul continues his argument in verse 13. Watch this. He says, "For there, if, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if you guys are right in saying that no one rises from the dead, then Christ has not been raised from the dead. Uh-oh. You see his argument there? We're in big trouble. If there's no resurrection, that Jesus didn't even rise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, watch this. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. In other words, I have nothing to say to you. I, the preacher, have no message for you if Christ has not risen from the dead. And on top of that, your faith is in vain. That, those, that word means worthless, empty, of no substance. It's ineffectual. It has no effect on your life. Without the resurrection, there's no power. There's nothing to preach. There's nothing to believe in. Without the resurrection, there's no good news. Why? Listen to what he says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. It's worthless. It's empty. It's of no value. Why? Because you are, say it with me, still in your sins. Oh you got to get this. The problem with humanity is that we have broken God's laws and we need a Savior. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and finish the work of redemption, you would still be in your sins. There'd be no good news. There'd be no grace. There'd be no forgiveness. There'd be no mercy. There'd be no reconciliation with God. There'd be no becoming home to God. There would be no good news. And the way In your notes, the way I wrote it is this. The resurrection is the absolute essential ingredient to the gospel. Without it, we have nothing. Do you see that? It is the most pivotal, most important, vital piece of the gospel we have. It conquered sin and death when Christ rose from the dead. He finished the work of redemption. See, without the gospel, without the resurrection, we have nothing all but with it. (laughs) All but with it. What becomes available to you and I with the resurrection? In your notes, the way I wrote it is this. The resurrection makes, watch this, eternal life life possible and that is what you and I were created for eternal life the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead makes eternal life possible eternal life is life with God the very life of God coming to infuse or be infused into our life listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter six he said the wages of sin is death eternal separation from God both physical death and spiritual death but but the free gift of God is what say with me eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord the resurrection secures eternal or makes available eternal life for you and I now a lot of times preachers what they'll do unfortunately is they'll talk about eternal life in the sense only in the sense that you get to go to heaven when you die now that's of course really good news and that's exciting and that's wonderful and every we spend eternity there we'll spend most of our lives in heaven that's awesome but what they leave out a lot of times is the fact that when you person puts their faith in Jesus Christ eternal life starts right now and the moment a person puts their faith in Christ that eternal life begins and we don't talk about that a lot but it it it, it makes it makes a huge difference in your life so what is eternal life Eternal life, if you read the pages of the New Testament, is a new quality of life. It's a new way of being. It's a new way of existing in the world. And it begins right now. You can hardly turn the pages of the New Testament without seeing that this new quality of life is now made available to you and I. Listen to Paul in the same chapter of Romans chapter 6. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death. I'll explain what that means in a moment. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we also or we too or us included we might also what walk in newness of life the gospel makes newness of life available to us a new way of being a new way of existing a new way of living the current life that we have Paul says we were buried with him in baptism into his death what does that mean well if you've been baptized as a Christ follower you know that what you what happens is you go under the water that is a symbolic way of saying you have died to your old ways of living your old self and you've been raised to life symbolically washed of your sins now you have This brand new life that you're starting with Christ. Well, that baptism is a symbolic picture of what actually happened inside of your soul. You have died to your old way of living, and you've come up a new person experiencing new life in Christ. Now, is there anybody here who doesn't like new things? Anybody? I think we all do, right? New things, new cars, new New, new clothes. I mean, I'm one of those people that when I buy a new shirt, I wear it out of the store. Anybody else? <laughs> it's like I'm so excited about it. I'm like, oh, let me put it on, you know. And it still has tags on it. I'm walking out, you know, because I just like new things. There's, the reason I like new things probably the reason why you like new things, because there's a quality to it. There's a freshness to it. There's a cleanness to it. There's, there's a smell to it, right? Uh, you know, one of our staff members was talking about uh, the smell of new tennis balls, and and the, you know I was thinking that's that's weird you know, uh, but but as I got to thinking when I was growing up I was like you know what that's right you know new tennis balls they've got a they've got a feel they've got a smell they they bounce right and so I thought we could all experience uh, you know the new tennis balls here for a second Isn't that fun um, ooh maybe you can maybe you can get a little bit of this. I'll get to you in the balcony here, real second, real quick, because you can't smell. You can't smell this. Oh, that's nice. And so when you get these new tennis balls out, I mean, immediately you can feel there's a there's a difference. See, I have old tennis balls at our house. You know, we've got kids, and they're all kind of they're not this color, and, and the the dog has kind of got them a little bit. You know what I mean? But these ooh, these puppies, they bounce. And, and there's just a freshness to them. They smell different. They feel different. They, you, can, you can hit them faster. They move quicker. And, and you know what I'm talking about? Is anybody, can you smell these? Don't you just want to juggle when you get three balls in your hand? Let's see if I can do it real quick. Oh, nice. That's why you came to church today, to cheer for the preacher, to juggle. That wasn't part of the sermon. I just felt motivated to juggle there real quick. It's just like an urge. Couldn't resist. Ah! Okay. But, but there's just something new about this, right? There's, we love new things. Anybody want a tennis ball real quick? I got to get rid of these real quick. How about that? Here, first hand, it went up. We'll get, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I told I wouldn't leave the balcony out. Anybody in the balcony want a tennis ball real quick? Anybody up there? Okay, I'll try to get it to you. Ready? Okay, here we go. Awesome. How about over here? Anybody over here? Okay, I'll try it. You're, you're far away, so I'm going to have to launch this, okay? so. All right, nice job. It was actually for the little kid behind you, but uh, there you go. What a guy, what a guy. How's that going to look on the podcast? I can't wait to see. I've always wanted to throw something in the balcony and have some fun, but uh, you know, who said you can't have fun in church, right? So that's exciting. So anyway, what, what was I talking about? New things, new things. We love new things, right? We just got new carpet in our living room. And because our old carpet had burn holes in it from all the cigarettes. No, we don't. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't smoke. But they did have burn holes because the fire, our fireplace would spit like, like little pieces and there would burn holes in the carpet. Anyway, so and then the dog, we got a new do- a dog a couple years ago, and he decided he wanted to, you know, make some spots in the carpet. So we got new carpet, and, and, and it's just, oh, you take your shoes off, you walk on that, just wanna you just want to take a nap and the smell it's amazing this new carpet makes it makes everything feel soft and homey I love it I love new things you know what you know what you know what the gospel gives you it gives us newness of life a new way to be a new way to feel a new way to think a new way to exist in this world it's not just about going to heaven when you die So let's talk a little bit about how this newness of life takes place. Steve mentioned this last week if you were here. He talked about how the newness of life is made possible when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of an individual. When a person puts faith in Jesus Christ, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, comes to live inside the individual believer. Listen to what Dallas Willard said, one of my favorite authors. He said, however we may understand the details, it, it can be complicated, there is no doubt on the, on the biblical picture of human life that we were meant to be inhabited by God and to live by a power beyond ourselves. Like, you were designed to have God's Spirit live in you and to draw life from a power beyond yourself. Like, that is the design for your life. You're not on your own, left to your own resources. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and insi- in- in- dwells inside of you and is responsible for creating this new quality of life if, it's a big if, if you cooperate with him and yield to him, and surrender to him, and and let him lead your life. Now, let me give you a picture of what new things he will start to generate in your life should you do that. Number one, he starts to give you new perspectives new perspectives, a new way of seeing the world, and where does happiness come from, and how do you handle difficulty, and how do you handle stress, and what's really going on in the world, and how should I interpret the news, uh, the latest thing going on in the world, and 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 the Holy Spirit gives you new paradigms and new perspectives. He begins to allow you to see the way God sees in this world, and it's, it's, it's I'm telling you, you want to change your life, you have to change your perspectives on life and see things from God's perspective. I'll give you an example from my life there's so many to pick from but I'll just choose one early on in my life uh, and my parents weren't materialistic by any means I didn't learn this from them make that clear but I learned this from the culture in New York City and and the culture there growing up as a teenager was that you know if you've got stuff if you've got the newest clothes sneakers car thing jewelry watch whatever if you have stuff you're somebody and the people who had stuff in my high school and 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 as i watched the media they were the ones who got respected so i was just determined that when i grow up i'm just gonna have stuff like i wasn't a christ follower so i'm thinking what's life all about i'm, I'm interested in what life is about i noticed as after watching a lot of mtv cribs remember that or that like, the valuable people had cameras come into their home to look at all their stuff and their pools and their they're tripped out, you know, bling, bling, escalades. You know, Shaquille O'Neal had one of those. remember that, that episode in particular. But anyway, uh, I was just like, man, you want to be somebody in this world, you got to have stuff. And so, but then Christ invaded my life, and I was, I was ambushed by grace. And I began to cooperate with the Spirit of God by getting into the Word of God. And one day I came across a passage from Jesus. I hope this has the same effect on you that it did me that day. Jesus said, beware. Watch out. Be on your toes. Be be aware. Be on guard against every kind of greed. Why? Because life is not measured by how much you own. Another version says, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, as a 20 year old kid, I'm going. Because I was on a path to get as much stuff as I can because that said I was important and I was going to be somebody. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he shatters that perspective and gives me a whole new perspective on where my value is from and where I get it from and, and what makes me a man and what makes me significant and what makes me important. And it wasn't material possessions. And that, that led to a decision for me to become a youth pastor. And I don't know if you've heard this, but youth pastors don't make that much money. There's no way I'm becoming a youth pastor at 21 years old with a college degree, with a bunch of college debt. If I did not have this perspective, I would have said, no, that's not enough money. The salary's not enough. I can't raise a family. I can't be important. I can't be valuable. But Jesus gave me a new perspective. Isn't that awesome? So as you work with the Holy Spirit who wrote the word of God and you take the word of God in your mind, you develop these new perspectives. But it's not just that. It's also new emotions. New emotions. You are an emotional person. Have you figured this out yet? (laughs) If you haven't, just ask your spouse. Ask a best friend. They'll say, yeah, you're very emotional. (laughs) In fact, I think you're bipolar. Anyway, no, (laughs) maybe not. Maybe not. But we're very emotional people. And life apart from Christ looks like this. Emotions with anger, emotions like fear, emotions like worry, emotions like anxiety and insecurity. Life apart from God produces really destructive emotions. But life with Christ, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, produces incredible emotions. Things like love and joy and peace. Can you imagine if your emotional life was dominated by those three things? Like consistently, I know we all have down days, but consistently love, joy, and peace were the dominating emotions of your life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says the fruit or the result of living in the spirit is love and joy and peace. When you yield, when you surrender, when you, when you allow the Spirit of God to fill you and you follow his lead, those are become the dominating emotions of your life. You know what joy is? It's the pervasive sense of well-being. You imagine having joy as the dominant emotion in your life? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He gives you new emotions, but not just new emotions. One more thing, new abilities. New abilities, this may be my favorite one. I'm not sure. They're all awesome. But let's talk about new abilities. I'm talking about you now have the ability to do things you once could not do. I'm talking about the ability, because of the Holy Spirit and you're cooperating with him, the ability to forgive that person you've been holding a gr- grudge against. You see, he's like, oh, preacher, did you have to go there? I love my grudges. I love holding that against that person. It's my way of getting back at them and kind of, Ugh. Okay, listen, this, you're not hurting them. You're poisoning your own soul with bitterness like that. And when the Holy Spirit, when you allow him to fill you, he gives you that ability to forgive that person who's hurt you and to, and to overcome that temptation that's defeated you for year after year after year. And to be patient with those children. Oh, let me say that again. To be patient with those children, you need God <laughs> for that. Right? Somebody's like, yeah, absolutely. Keep preaching it. Let me say it again. Be patient with those children. Where's that strength comes from? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you as you cooperate with Him. He gives you new abilities to overcome that addiction, to get clean from the drugs or the alcohol or whatever it is. Hey, hey, hey! Check this out. I believe with all my heart. My sweet wife is here today. I believe we don't have a perfect marriage, but man, we got a sweet one, don't we? It's my best friend right there. Seriously. The reason she's my best friend, the reason we really like each other, not just love each other. Some of you know what I mean. We like each other. is because both of us are trying with all of our heart to yield to the Holy Spirit and let him fill us with his love. See, you can't love your spouse in your own strength because they tick you off. <laughs> they, they don't put the toothpaste away. They don't do it right. They forget things. They don't order the thing that needed to be ordered on time, right? And they and they get you mad. And if you're not walking with God and the Holy Spirit's not putting his power in you, you don't have that power to draw from, you're not gonna get along with your spouse, and half of you are gonna get divorced. You wanna do a little marriage, a little little weekend? We'll do a little marriage talk right now. I won't, I won't, I won't. But I want to. How do you have a good marriage? You, you, you obey and let the Holy Spirit lead. He gives you that ability to just roll with it and forgive and love when you don't have the ability to do that. New abilities, new abilities. And this is, this is what the resurrection makes possible for you. This is how the gospel not just saves us, but it also solves us. New perspectives, new emotions, and new abilities in our life. Now, I'm describing a life right now, this, to some of you, to be quite honest, it's foreign. You've made a decision to put your faith in Christ You don't know what I'm speaking of. Newness of life? Like eternal life starts now? New perspectives, new emotions, love, joy, and peace, new new abilities? Remember like... This is how am I like. I still struggle with all the same stuff I struggled with, that I struggled with years ago. Nothing much has changed. I still have the same bad attitudes I have, <laughs> same perspectives. I, I still treat my husband the way I've always treated him. I still treat my wife, my kids the way I've always treated him. Like, you haven't changed in years. That's, why? It's because you are not doing what is necessary to tap into this newness of life. So what do, I, what do you do? Well, let's talk about that for the rest of our time. The first thing you need to do, and many of you have already done this, is put your faith in Christ. Jesus said it this way. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot taste this newness of life unless you're born from above, unless you put your faith in Christ. Now, some of you need to make that decision today. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to put your faith in Christ and become a Christ follower. It begins there. But many of you have already done this. You're already born again. You said the prayer. You got the Bible, all that stuff. But but the newness of life hasn't come. Let me speak to that really quick. The reason you have not tapped into the newness of life, these new emotions, these new abilities, these new perspectives, is because you have not made a decision to become a disciple. See, the decision you need to make today is you must become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a student of Jesus, a learner of Jesus. See, there's a difference between a disciple and a a believer. A believer is someone who's put their faith in Christ, they're going to go to heaven when they die. Mostly by the skin of their teeth, but a disciple is someone who's actually daily following Christ. And because of that, they are experiencing newness of life, and a believer is not. Let me talk about two decisions a disciple has made that a believer has not made. The first one is this. Watch this. A disciple has decided that becoming like Jesus is top priority. Please focus on this right here. Top priority. There's nothing more important. Not a new home. Not the way they look, not their reputation, not money, not the, the success of their children. There's nothing more important to a disciple than becoming like Jesus. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, when, when the disciple is fully trained, he'll become like the master. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The first thing, the top priority to a disciple's life is becoming like Christ and following Christ Jesus and a believer hasn't made that decision a believer still has other things to do that are much more important than becoming like christ and that's why the believer is not experiencing newness of life they haven't changed in years their life is the same they still have the same struggles or they've even gotten worse are they going to heaven when they die sure they're going to heaven when they die because they put faith in christ but that's about all they're going to get and some of you are like man you're talking about me i know i know I know I'm talking about you because I meet you all the time. I meet you in the out all the time. Struggles, angry, difficult, anxiety, fear, worry, adultery, affairs, all the, the whole thing. What's the issue? The issue is that, gee, becoming like Jesus is not the top priority in your life. Something else is. But a disciple has made that decision, and that's why they're starting to experience newness of life. And that leads to the second decision a disciple has made. Watch this. A disciple has decided to organize his or her day around spiritual practices that will enable them to do what they could not do in their own strength. That's a mouthful, so let me explain really quick. If you look at a professional athlete, be it a golfer or a swimmer or, or a baseball player or a basketball player or whatever, or if you look at a professional musician, be it a singer or a violinist or a pianist or whatever, and you look at their day, how they spend their time, what you're going to notice is that their day is going to be organized around, they do other stuff like food shopping and paying bills. They're normal people. But their day is going to revolve around practices that enable them to perform in the match in a way they couldn't have without the practices. Are you with me? Does that resonate? They can't just show up on game day and shoot 60%. Or, 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 or hit, you know, and go three for four. Or they, they just can't show up because they want to perform well. They've got to put in the time uh, to train in their skills if they want to perform on game day. You with me? So if that's true in the athletic world or in the music world or in the acting world or in the business world, why wouldn't it be true in the spiritual world? See, you want a good life, but if you're not practicing for a good life, if you're not practicing spiritual disciplines that enable you to be patient with your children, you may want to be patient with your children, but you're not going to be because you you haven't practiced patience with your children. You might want to have a great marriage. I really want to have a great marriage, but you haven't practiced listening. Some of you ladies like, oh, keep talking because my husband's here. You haven't practiced listening. See, I had to practice listening. I had to actually study. What does it look like for a man to listen to his wife? And then my marriage started to get better. Oh, oh there's a little secret. That one's free right there. Snuck that one in for you. See, see, if you're not practicing the skills that it takes to have a good marriage, you're not going to have even if you want one. Even if you really have good intentions. Peter had really good intentions, remember? He said, oh, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I- I'll, never, I'll never leave you. And then the situation came up where, where he was kind of caught, and what did he do? He denied Christ. Why? Because intentions don't matter. What matters is did you practice staying loyal? Did you practice the communication? Did you practice the forgiveness? Did you practice? That's how we tap into this power that we didn't have through spiritual practices so you look at jesus's life and you know what you find in the new testament come on come on you find him spending time in silence in solitude 40 days one time he spent time in the wilderness by himself fasting the bible says that oftentimes after he would heal somebody he'd go off by himself to pray and he would spend time worshiping and studying you look at jesus's life and it's organized around practices well it's no wonder it's no wonder he he honored god and glorified god Why would it be any different for you and I? A disciple has said in his life, becoming like Christ is number one top priority. And because of that, they are organizing their life around these practices that give them power to do what they could not do in their own strength. Oh, did you get that? A believer hasn't done that. Listen, you talk to a believer, a mere believer, and you say, hey, are you meditating? Are you reading your scriptures? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you in a small group? Do you, have you tried fasting? No, 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 no. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I know you're busy. I, we're all busy. I mean, but how, but you have no practices. You don't, you're not, you're not training. But you want a good life. Oh, you want a good life. You want newness of life. You want a great marriage and great children. Oh, you want You want joy and peace and love. You want that stuff, but you're not practicing. It's not gonna work. You're not doing what it takes to experience the newness of life that the resurrection has made available to you and I. Am I making sense? Amen somebody with me today this is what it takes you must become a disciple for the first time some of you are sitting here today going well now I know what my problem is I'm a believer said the prayer got the bible the whole thing but I'm not a disciple yet and the decision you need to make is to take that step and become a disciple now some of you haven't even become a believer yet and I'm going to speak to you in just a moment But what have I said today? You know what I've said today? The gospel doesn't only save us, it also solves us. Newness of life is God's plan for you. But you must become a disciple if you want to tap into that newness of life. Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, only constant students of Jesus will be given adequate power to fulfill their calling to be God's person for their time and their place in this world. You want that life? that newness of life, that new quality of being, that eternal life, you must become a constant student of Jesus. Let me close this way with a question. Why didn't God leave Jesus in the tomb? Like, why didn't he just leave him there? Wasn't, wasn't the death on the cross enough? Why did he continue going and raise him from the dead? And here, Here's the answer. It's really simple. It's because... The work wasn't finished. The work wasn't finished. The death of Christ on the cross was not enough to provide good news. And in the same way that it wasn't finished... In the tomb, God is not finished with you. If you're here today and you're like, man, I really want that, and I'm not, He's not finished with you. Like, it's not over. Like, you have life to live. And so, so our team is gonna close us with a song that's kind of all about that. It's not over, it's not finished. And during the song, I would love for you to have a moment. Will you, will you say with, to God right now, say, God, look, I, I know I've blown it, or I've messed up, or I'm not where I need to be, but here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm just gonna take a step towards com- becoming a disciple because it's not finished it's not over you're giving me a second chance and then what I'm gonna do is come back up here and close us out. There's some of you here today who you feel strangely drawn to this message to this person named Jesus and the reason I know that you feel that way is because that's how it happens in all of our lives. I remember feeling it when I was 17 I couldn't understand what it was I didn't, I didn't quite get it, but I felt strangely drawn to spiritual things and, and God and church. And what was happening was that God was drawing me to himself. He had to get through a lot of garbage, <laughs> a lot of stuff. But I was, I was, I don't know, I just, I guess, smart enough to listen to that voice and say, God, what is this? And what I found was Life what i found was a new way to live what i was experiencing was the pleasures of popularity or drugs or sports and all the things that came with that and i they all seemed to to come up short and i was thirsty for something more and what i found was that A relationship with Christ filled my spirit with true joy and true meaning and true satisfaction and you can have that today you can have that newness of life if you walked in today and and you'd say man I don't I'm not a Christian I'm not a Christ follower but but you feel that drawing perhaps this moment is designed for you I would say that it is today is the day that I believe God wants you to put your faith in him and receive eternal life so how do I do that Well, you pray. See, prayer is an expression of faith. It's faith expressed. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you have life from above, you cannot experience eternal life. So if you would like to have eternal life, if you'd like to experience that newness of life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. It's an expression of your faith. And what you're doing is reaching out to God in faith, and you're saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Please be my Savior. Be my God, and today you can become a child of God and experience eternal life. If that's you right now, I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and and I just say this prayer to God. It's a prayer He loves to answer. Don't worry about botching the prayer up or messing it up. You just pray as, as well as you know how. He's listening. Say this to Him right now. Dear Jesus. I put my faith in you today. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you were buried and in the third day you rose again so that I could be forgiven of my sins, so that I could have eternal life, which starts right now and goes through all, throughout all eternity. I place my faith in you as my Savior, fill me with your spirit today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ today, if you just prayed that prayer right now, our church would like to put a gift in your hand. We'd like to give you a one-year New Testament. Here's why. As I mentioned in my talk a few moments ago, the Spirit of God has wrote, wrote this word wrote the Bible. And as you take the scriptures into your mind and into your heart, he begins to develop those new perspectives, those new emotions, and those new abilities in your life. So there's tables back here to my right and to my left, all the way in the back of the auditorium. If you're in the balcony, you can come down here. Just go back there and say to them, hey, I prayed that prayer to receive Christ today. Can I have a one-year New Testament? And they'll put one of these in your hands. And as you read it, you go to the date, like today's date, I think is the 4th, is the 5th, You go right to the 5th. I read these same passages every day, so you're going to be reading the same passages that I read and many other people are reading throughout this year. So can we give God glory today for what he's done? Isn't that awesome? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, eternal life, a new way of being in this world has become available by means of the Holy Spirit. As you cooperate with him, as you yield to him, as you let him lead your life, you begin to experience these new emotions, these new perspectives, and these new abilities. If, if you become a constant student of Jesus, if you become a disciple of Christ, my hope, my hope that is that you will leave here today and realize it's not over it's not finished, that you can actually move from being a believer to a disciple and begin to taste and experience this newness of life. Anybody excited about that because of the resurrection? Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory today. Thank you for sending Christ to this world. Thank you for the eternal life that's made possible through the resurrection. We want to experience it. We want to taste it. We want to live it. We want to be filled with joy and filled with peace every single day of our lives. We want to have these new abilities that are promised to us, God. We want to have these new perspectives that lead to the the eternal type of living. So God, help us. Help us to follow you with all of our heart. Help us to, to be constant students of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I know that you'll lead us down that path of life that we were designed for. We love you. Thank you for sending Christ to this world. Please help those who put their faith in you today to have the courage to go back and grab a Bible and begin reading. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, next week we are starting a brand new series. If you're a guest with us here today, we invite you back. It's gonna be a great series. God bless you. Bring a friend.